0: How's it going this week?
1: Good, Ange. How are you?
0: Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance and then some. So, Brad, are you ready for a trivia question?
1: Oh, you said last week we weren't doing these anymore.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, this one is very easy. Oh, okay. When is, and we've talked about this before, when is the best time to invest your money? Today. Yeah yeah. well, I always say yesterday, but today's <laughs> today works too.
1: I thought that was a this is a trick question look on your face.
0: <laughs> so we are going to be talking about retirement, which is probably one of my favorite topics.
1: That's true. We have talked about retirement before. So what are we talking about that's different today?
0: So we've talked about retirement in a couple different ways, but I actually wanted to talk to people and tell them, how much they need to save at every age to retire on at 65. So, like, if you are, you know, 20 in your 20s and starting out at work, like, how much should you be saving for retirement? Or maybe you, you know, missed the boat on that and you're in your 40s. Well, how much should you be saving for retirement? So, before I kind of dive into that, I want to talk about the calculation a little bit. So, this assumes that you have nothing currently saved up for retirement. It assumes that you will, so like, because if you can save, you know, let's say 10%, it means you're spending 90% of your salary. So it's going to project out and make sure that you can continue spending what you've been spending. So let's say that you make $50,000 and you can save 10%. So you can save five grand. So you're spending $45,000. So we're going to make sure you can continue spending $45,000 in retirement. And this also does not include social security benefits. Mm -hmm. So this is like, if you save everything yourself, how much you need to save. And also, it assumes that you will be keeping this money invested, so... You know, this is for people who are investing in mutual funds and earning like on average 7% interest year over year and will continue to do that in retirement. So if you want to play it safe and take all your money out and like bury it in the backyard, then you're going to need to save up more money than what I'm saying right now. Okay,
1: so it's a little bit of a loaded, you know, guideline, but with some flexibility depending on how you save and what your expenses are and if you want to have less expenses in retirement, right? That all plays into a factor here, but... Um, you know, so this is just a straight line, uh, you know, best guess kind of scenario.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't want to factor in social security because we do have listeners in other countries that may have different programs. So you can kind of bake your own assumption and on top, this is just like the pure math if nobody's helping you, how much you need to save. And, uh, you know, and I also, they actually say that most retirees, when they retire, their expenses actually decrease. So if anything, as always, my numbers are a little bit conservative because I am very conservative by nature. I'm an actuary. I'm very risk averse. So um, if you save what I say on this paper, you will have like a 90% success rate in retirement.
1: Okay. So So what's an example there?
0: All right. So let's start. So let's say you're 22 years old and you want to retire at 65. You have to save 15%.
1: 15% of my expenses in general? 15%
0: of your... No.
1: Or sorry, of my income. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so 15% of my income, regardless of what my income is. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, so you know, a lot of times if you work for a company, they might do a match, so maybe they they put in six, right? So then you have to just put in nine. So um if you are twenty eight, then you need to save twenty percent. So we we've jumped five percent in six years. So this is why the earlier you start, the easier it is, right?
1: Right, and I, I imagine this number is just going to get worse and worse. Worse, yeah.
0: Um. So actually, this is a really good wake up call for all of our older listeners if they have not started saving for retirement because now thirty three, you're knocking on this door, Brett. Soon here.
1: Yeah, isn't that how old your sister is? Right. It's yeah. Close.
0: Yep. So then you have to save twenty five percent of your income. So oh, wow. okay. I feel like already at that point, like, you know, that's that's a good chunk. That's a quarter of your income that just needs to be devoted to savings. So um then we'll jump up to 37. So I actually also have another sister that's 37. Uh 30% of okay. your income. So So
1: we're still in the doable range, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. This is totally I think it's very doable still. Mm-hmm. Um but it does get harder, right? Especially for You know, a lot of times by the time you're in your 30s, maybe you have a family, and it's in general just, you know, a little bit harder for people to save with kids, so now if you add on this, like, additional savings because you didn't start younger, like, I I won't lie, it is hard, right? And it's going to require sacrifice, but you also have to, like, weigh the, you know, the opportunity of being able to retire, right? Um, Okay, so we'll jump up to 40, so can you guess how much you have to save at 40? 35%?
1: 35%? Yeah. No, we're just going by fives. We're right? just going by fives, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then we'll go to 43, and you have to save 40%. 46, you have to save 45%. 48, you need to save 50%. Now, I want to stop here for a second because we're going to be out of the 40s after this. But that's crazy to me. Like
1: so you're already at half?
0: You're already right? at half.
1: Hmm.
0: But, I mean, if you think about it, at 48, if you want to retire at 65, you have 17 years left. So you've already been working probably for 20 some years and, you know, you have 17 left to go. So you're over halfway through your working career. And if you didn't put anything away, like it gets increasingly difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so now we're jumping up to 51 and you have to save 55%. 53, you'd have to save 60%. 55, you'd have to save 65%. And if you wait until you're 60 and you want to retire when you're 65, you need to save 80% of your income.
1: Wow. So at some point there, it becomes more or less unrealistic, right? I mean, for a lot of people, especially in their later stage of their career, I don't don't know anybody that's saving 80% of their income, including me.
0: We're actually not super far off. With with both of
1: us, though, because this formula is assuming one person, right? Single, well, single no, income.
0: It's it doesn't matter. It applies oh, to single or that's dual true. because it's a percentage. That's a percentage. So, mm-hmm. um if you, yeah, if you're dual, your expenses are typically lower and it's probably easier to he- hit these savings goals, but this because it's a percentage, it applies to anybody. So, you know, it I think it's just kind of eye-opening and it helps you realize that like literally the earlier you start, the better. But I also kind of want to play devil's advocate and say Like, there are more and more bloggers who achieved financial independence and retired in their 30s by looking at this and saying, okay, well, instead of saying, you know, I want to retire at 65, I'm going to change that age to 35. And now, you know, I started working at 22. So I'm giving myself, you know, 14 years to hit that goal. And if I save, you know, 55% of what I make, I can retire in my 30s. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's like another whole cohort of people that are definitely achieving these high savings rates to retire at ridiculously young ages.
1: Right. Yeah. I see. We saw something on like N- NBC or something from the other day, right? Some news article came out. Some guy in his 30s, again, retired early, right? And I'm like, well, we're going to retire by the time I'm like you're 30. So I don't know why you're not in the news, too.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> that's right. Put Angie in the news. <laughs> um yeah, cool. but
1: by, by looking at the table, right? You just need to know what do you need to save, and you know, as soon as you come up with that plan to say I want to hit this number, and then you can you can work toward that plan. Right. You can set goals toward that. You can adjust your income and adjust your expenses. Prioritize what is important, what isn't. Right. Is prior- is retiring by the time you're thirty or thirty-five or whatever more important than going to the movies every week? Right. It really helps you control your expenses when you have like a goal that's like. You know, I don't have to work ever again in my life, right? Like, that's a really powerful motivator.
0: Well, I would say that's what has completely shaped us into the super frugal, intense savers that we have become is the idea of being free, basically. Um, Because it doesn't necessarily mean we have to quit our jobs, but it just means we have the option to never work again. And it gives us a lot of cool opportunities, you know? Like, I feel like more and more I hear people that, you know, they they don't have to work, but they found something that really spoke to them or they really enjoy it, so they continue working, right? Like, just because you might retire at an ultra-young age doesn't mean you never contribute anything to society again, you know? Most early retirees that I've talked to are not the type of people that, like, sit at home and, you know, watch soap operas all day. They're still out doing stuff. They just are doing different stuff. And I think... It kind of is the whole concept of you have to have something to retire to. Whether you are in your 60s or in your 30s, you can't just, like, retire to being a couch potato. That's, like, not the key to happiness, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, I think I think it's really interesting to think about that way. Um, and I will say, you know, if you're retiring at a younger age, it is a little bit scarier because you you know, if you're retiring at 65 and you have this lump sum saved up, like, you're gonna, you have, you know, probably 30 years to your end of life. If you retire at 35, you have 60 years. So like, you, you might want to be a little bit more flexible with being willing to go back to work if something happens or being willing, you know, I think the big thing is being willing to cut back on your expenses if there's a year where, you know, things are a little tight, right? Um, but I think if you're like, focused on that goal, like, you can do it. You can do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I think kind of you now going back to the traditional 65, you know, I also think if you're in your 30s and or 40s and you hear, okay, I'm 40, I need to save 35% of my paycheck. That's impossible. I can't save that much. Don't let that scare you away from saving anything. It is far better to be like, okay, well, that seems unreasonable, but I could save 10%. Do the 10% because like i mentioned this doesn't factor in social security and you know even that 10% like you'll build momentum right right and especially
1: starting earlier rather than later
0: yeah and if you're in your 40s and you still have 25 years of your career left you're probably going to get raises you can use that to pad your retirement savings as well
1: right Mm -hmm. yeah because we talked about already like 10% when you're what was it, Thirty close to 30 was worth 20% when you're 40 already? Right. Somewhere in there, right? Just depending on how it scales there and what the compound interest looks like and, you know, all that the, the rates. So just every little bit helps, especially when you're young.
0: Yeah. Well, and even, you know, when you're not, like if you're 55 and you have not started saving for retirement, like start now because maybe you won't hit 65, but maybe you can hit 70, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, 65 is not a hard and fast rule. That's kind of what just been the standard in this country for a long time. But that dates back to like the great depression era when the life expectancy was like five years after that, you know? And so, you know, I think there's actually a lot more people working later in life and it's not a bad thing because like I said, if you have nothing to retire to, I've talked to so many people who retire and they get so bored and then they end up like going back to work or picking up something just to like give themselves a purpose
1: right well statistically you're more likely to die if you just retire and like have nothing to go to but if you're just like at home and just reheat tv dinners and watch you know wheel of fortune every day you're more likely to have a heart attack that (laughs) took a
0: turn real quick (laughs) (laughs) it's true so
1: yeah keep active when you're when you want to move into retirement whether that's 30 or 70 or 65 Right. Just plan for what that looks like too. just think, start thinking about what is what does retirement mean for you?
0: Yeah. Right. So is that something you've thought about personally or not yet? Because uh, we talked about our goals to retire at a young age. Like what I guess one when, you know, because I, I think we both kind of had this thought probably. But then I think, I you know, I kind of came to you and I was like, here's like the plan to get us to early retirement. But like what motivates you about that?
1: Well, I mean, I was really looking forward to Wheel of Fortune and TV dinners until like science got in the way and yeah. really put a re- dampering on my on my plan. But no, I think I think just like being able to have the flexibility to go and do anything creatively that you want to do, yeah. and have you know kind of a safety net behind you to say like if I fail, it doesn't matter, right? Right. And I'm building, you know, whatever you want to do. I'm building it for me. I'm not building it because I have to or I have to bring in revenue, you know, by the end of the month. And it pushes a deadline. Sure, that's like a motivator for some people, right? And will cause them to like do things that maybe they wouldn't do or, you know, push through, a, you know, work more efficiently or things like that. But uh, it also taints your product a little bit too, right? Because then you're going to be like. You know, like I, I've I've been listening to a lot of like people on YouTube lately talking about like their careers in that space and like how they equate ad revenue to like what they're creating, right? And they like they want to build certain certain things in a certain way and do things for them, regardless of what the subscriber count is or whatever. But they can make very very little money compared to like this like whatever Joe Schmo ad company that comes to them because they have a hundred thousand subscribers and just says like plug this into the thing and we'll give you like 300 bucks right or we'll give you a thousand dollars or depending on how many people like see the video we'll give you like ten thousand dollars right that's where all the money is right now Mm -hmm. and it's very very like tainting to those that creator space so like being able to go do whatever you'd want to you know especially for those guys to be able to create whatever and not worry about having to like you know, pump ads into their stuff Right. is, is you know, it's just a, it's a power that most people don't have.
0: And I actually think it can make you a better business person when you're not so focused on the bottom line all the time. So I'm gonna say this as, you know, I was actually reading an article about somebody who retired early and d- she dabbled in real estate. So I w- this naturally piqued my interest because I'm super into real estate. And she got her license, became an agent, And she had friends that they were looking at houses with her and, you know, like she just enjoyed going out and looking at houses. And like, I'm reading this article and I'm like, is this me? This could be me. Right. Like, this is me. (laughs) And so she was showing them houses. Well, then they found out one of their friends was getting ready to sell their house and they loved it and they wanted to buy it but they kind of had this conundrum of like, we don't have to use an agent because we can just do for sale by owner. The two of us can agree to the terms. We can go to a title agency and be done. And they like went to this, you know, real estate friend and they were like, we're really sorry. Like, should we pay you for your time? And because she had retired early, she was like, no, don't worry about it. Like, this is my hobby. This is fun for me. And they were like, well, we feel bad. You know, we took your time. And she was just like, it's fine. Like, this is, you know, fun. And, and because of that, like Everybody was happy. They got the house they wanted at a really good price and, you know, nobody lost out. But I think if you were, like, you know, doing that with somebody who was, like, that was their career and that's what got them to put food on the table, like, of course they're going to feel, you know, burned by that, I guess. And, and, and of course, you don't want to, like, undersell yourself or undervalue yourself, but I think if you're, like, doing stuff for fun and just, like getting to a point where it's like well everybody won in this scenario like you know whatever like when money's taken out of the equation it just makes life less stressful i guess is maybe what's appealing to me
1: right yeah that's true i mean yeah you don't want to undervalue like your work versus your time versus you know just because you don't need the money doesn't mean you didn't deserve to like get that money for the time that you know your skill set or whatever right you shouldn't undervalue yourself correct because of because of that but in this situation. like
0: unique scenario yeah. it was like you know some of the they were all really good friends and like it's nice that money didn't spoil a friendship because mm-hmm. they could remove themselves from that and be like it's really it's not worth losing friends for you know they went and looked at like three houses together and whatever you know she would have made what a couple grand off off the sale anyways mm-hmm. so I think when you can step back and, I, you know, I say that and I know to some people a couple grand sounds like a ton of money, but I think once you've built up this portfolio and you're able to retire, like you, and you know, like I can survive for the rest of my life on my nest egg. Like it's not worth, you know, giving up friendships for a couple grand, you know? Right.
1: And you, you can operate in a different way, right? It allows you flexibility to, to not, if you, if you release the shackle of like having to get that commission coming in like every month to survive you can you can be more efficient you can play a longer term game if you want to right you don't have to be like optimizing and trying to sell like immediately you can you can build up your process and build up different systems and just operate more effectively and then just like execute on that and then just like everything you do from that point forward is just better right Right. because you because you had the flexibility of like giving yourself that grace period in the beginning to like build it up correctly rather than just trying to plan for the near term right or focus only on the short-term goals and gains rather than the long-term strategy
0: yeah no that's a really good point and i and i think it goes that way for everything and you know something that kind of always motivated me too is i feel like you know so they actually say that in about 10 years you kind of master your craft So by the time we're getting close to retirement, we'll have both been in our careers for about 10 years. And I kind of look at it as, what do I want to do for the next 10 years? Like, maybe it's the same thing, but maybe I want to, like, try something different and do something more creative. And I feel like, you know, as human beings, we have all of this potential, right? We can do whatever we decide we want to do. So why not, like, do something cool or create something cool or, like, push yourself out of your comfort zone to try something And like you mentioned earlier, it helps knowing that like, if I fail, it doesn't matter because I think that's kind of what always kept me like in college from, you know, picking a different major or doing something crazy is like, I went the very safe route and I got a very good job. And now it's like, okay, so then maybe the next phase of my life is like backtracking a little bit and doing like the things that I was too scared to do earlier in life because I know I have like this net to catch me.
1: Right. You, it removes fear from the equation of, of that. Yeah, that's why most people never change career paths or never get out of positions or, or things that they're not happy with is because they don't want to they don't want to fail. Right. They're just like, even if it would be good, even if there's like a slight chance that it would be like way better. So, you know, there's a better chance that, you know, it might not work out. And then I, what do I do? Because I, right, do I go back to where I was? Can I go back to where I was? Yeah. Right. What do I do if it doesn't work out? Do I have to find something different? And then I don't know what that is. It's a big question mark. Right. And then, you know, people just lock up and shut down and they're say, nope, not worth it. And then just keep doing what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And that I think that happens more often than not. And so, you know, don't be. Don't be afraid to pick a more ambitious goal on this list. Maybe it's not in your 30s. Maybe it's in your 40s or 50s. But, you know, what, I guess, you know, what would you do if you just got an extra 10 to 20 years of your life back where you don't have to go in to work 40 hours a week, you know, and like, and if you enjoy it, keep doing it, right? Like we, we might get to that point in a few years and be like, no, you know, we, we're happy where we are. But if you. But why not, like, push yourself to at least give yourself the option, right? So, like, in five years, I'll be able to sit here and be like, I can choose to continue working or I can choose to quit and never step foot in an office again, right? Right. But, like, I'll have the choice. And if nothing else, the freedom that comes with that is incredible.
1: Right. You, You have, like, no stress in your life at that point anymore because you're not worried about, oh, my job's terrible right now, but I have to keep doing it. I have to put up with it. Or I like have to do this stuff to get this next level, next promotion.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've seen people or know people like from, you know, when you were younger and you watched them grow up and they've, it's like they age five years in a month because they're so stressed about their job or working or getting food on the table. And yeah, money is the number one cause of stress in our lives. It's a number one reason for divorces, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you can remove money from being an issue, then you're just happier, right? And that's right. like that's a whole saying: money can't buy happiness.
1: Right, and the people that do have a lot of money are, you know, unhappy for the most part. Right, the Jim Carries, or you know, or you could be like Kanye, I guess. <laughs> you got a billion dollars, but you're mostly crazy. Well,
0: nobody really <laughs> knows if he's happy or not because he just never smiles. <laughs> um, well, and, I, you know, I think, too, like, yeah, if you just continue, like, making more money and then you just, like, keep upgrading your life, like, you get to a point where you realize it doesn't matter. Like, the, having a bigger house at some extent doesn't matter. Having, like, a fancier car doesn't matter. Like, you're still getting from point A to point B. And, you know, I'll say it before, or I've said it before and I'll say it again, like, Try biking, right? We haven't talked about that on the podcast in a while, but Brett has been biking with me much more lately.
1: Oh yeah, my quads are not very happy about it.
0: Well, you're overall not complaining too much.
1: That's right, except when I had to carry that watermelon in my backpack. That was that was quite the day.
0: <laughs> it was worth it though. It was I'll pi- delicious. Uphill p- both ways. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like no matter where we go, we're always uphill with you.
1: That's right. <laughs> I don't. We got to change these routes around.
0: All right, well, we are starting to ramble now like we usually do. So did you have anything else you want to say on the topic of retiring or motivating people to save?
1: So so you, where can people find this, the, the graph or the calculator that you used for this formula?
0: I am going to put this graph um, in the blog post that comes up with this podcast. So you can find it at our website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And I will also link to a calculator where you can kind of project out to see like how much you need to save in your situation with your numbers because you know maybe you have maybe you're not starting at zero so this assumed you were starting at zero but maybe you have saved up something and you're wondering okay i don't i think i'm behind you know so let's say you started saving when you were 33 and i just told you you needed to be saving 25 percent and you were saving 10 well now you're, you know, 40 and you kind of want to know what your new percentage is. So I'll link a calculator that will help people kind of visualize where they are Mm -hmm. for their personal situation.
1: Okay, great.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions, as always, feel free to contact me. I love hearing from you guys. And I will link all of my contact information in. And thank you again.
1: All right. Thanks, guys.
0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, Money moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.